running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. Championship weekend is here. And uh, I mean, obviously, personally, I'm not happy. Uh, as a football fan, I'm happy. You know, it's yeah. As a Cowboys fan, obviously, uh, I'm used to this. I, I mean, as sad as that is to say, I'm used to it. It's happening every year. I mean, it, it's literally it's a roller coaster. As a Dallas Cowboys fan. Because off season, you know, you're usually down because of the way the previous season ended. Then training camp starts, and you start getting hyped. All right, we're back. You know, we're we're a team that just missed it that pre- that that previous season, uh, and we added some stuff. Hey, we're back at it. Season comes around. The season is a roller coaster because it's like, all right, four games in a row, we win. Okay, great. This team's one of the best teams in the league. Then all of a sudden, downfall, boom, uh, a loss that you actually knew was coming but didn't think it was going to come. It was kind of like your heart and your head playing games with you. Well, they lose that game. Then it's everybody bash the Cowboys how bad they are. Then they come back the next week, boom. Wow, this team is one of the best teams in the league. And that goes on and on throughout the whole season. Then the playoffs come, and it's, all right, what Dallas Cowboys team are we going to see? Wild card, boom, they win. This team is great. This team's going to the Super Bowl. Divisional round, boom, Cowboys lose. It's literally, that's that's just how... The season goes for the Dallas Cowboys. That's how the the last decade, or even more, has gone for the Dallas Cowboys. And the fans. This is what you deal with. So, it, it's... I mean, it, it's, a, it's the perfect insanity definition, basically. You know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different outcomes. That's how it is to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. But before we get into all of that, uh, I hope everybody had a great um, divisional round. If you bet, hope you won money. If your team was in it, hope they won. And I hope you had a, a, a fun time watching the games. Now, again, before I get into everything that we're going to talk about today, I am planning and I want everybody to... To get in touch with me, if you're uh, a fan of a certain team, whatever it is. This offseason, I am planning on doing a show dedicated to each team. I want to talk about the offseason. I want to talk about what we can expect from that team heading into uh, the 2023 season. So if you are a fan, or if you're a writer, or whatever it is to a team... 
and you want to come on, talk for a half hour or so about that team, I will greatly appreciate it. I want to, uh, again, like I said, I, I want to just have uh, an episode per team. And I'm going to release them uh, during the off season. So if you are one of those people, you think you know a lot about your team, hit me up, DM me on Instagram, at R-U-T-S Sports, uh, TikTok, at R-U-T-S Sports, uh, Twitter, at R-U-T-S Sports. You can hit up um, the website. I think you can actually email us at R-U, well, not at, but uh, www.rutsports.com and the email address R-U-T-S Sports at gmail.com. So, with that all in the bag there, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about the state of the uh, the teams that lost the divisional round. Talk about what's going on with those teams heading into the offseason. We'll talk about the games that we have ahead of us uh, tomorrow, Sunday. Talking about the championship uh, the championship games and uh, some hobby stuff, you know, some uh, upcoming releases. And Panini made a big, big boo boo, and we'll get into that also. But we'll start off Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, we all know the Dallas Cowboys lost. I don't have a smile on my face like I thought I would, so therefore, you have your answer. The Dallas Cowboys lost this game. Uh, a little, little stuff here and there about the Dallas Cowboys in this game. Okay, I am. I'm not gonna blame all of this on Dak. Although he didn't have a good game, that's the, point blank. He did not have a good game, and that's what you need from your quarterback. In the divisional round to win. Okay. That put to the side. I'll get back to Dak in a little bit. Brett Maher is the reason. That game went the way it did. And I think. With the Dallas Cowboys. I think they have to look at. The way that that game went. And. It it should open your eyes. To the issue with the Dallas Cowboys. So. Why I think Brett Maher is the the reason for that loss? Well, I'll tell you right now, okay? You go into about, I think they had the ball with about two and a half minutes left in the first half. They're driving. Gets to fourth and four, okay? Now, at that point, I believe the game was 6-6, okay? So, any other game... Uh, any other instances, fourth and four at the 35 or whatever they were, field goal range, okay? You want the lead, especially that you're getting the ball at halftime. You want the lead going into halftime. Whether San Francisco gets the ball with a minute and a half, drives down the field and gets a field goal or a touchdown, whatever it is, you at least put your point, you, you put points on the board, okay? So now with Brett Maher missing Maher, Maher, however you want to say it. I've, I hear it so many different ways. However you want to say it, 
you have him in the wild card game miss four extra points. If it was any other team, any other good team in the playoffs, the Cowboys, that, that would probably come back to bite them in the ass. Fortunately, it didn't. They move on to the divisional round, yet the question mark is still around Brett Maher. So, you get to that point, fourth and four. Previously, Cowboys score a touchdown, and he gets the extra point blocked. 95%, I believe, that was getting that was missing anyway, and I think a lot of people will agree with me on that. But, you go to fourth and four, you're kicking the field goal. You're taking a 9-6 lead, hopefully into the uh, into the locker room, and then getting the ball. No. We don't trust Brett Maher now. So fourth and four, we're going to go for it. Dak scrambles, nine yards. Great. Amazing. Keep the, keep the clock running. Keep the drive going. Go for seven. Great. Next play, dump it off to uh, Tony Pollard, snaps his leg. Next play after that, boom, pick. 49ers drive down, kick the field goal. So now that 49ers take the 9-6 lead going into halftime. So right there, change the whole game. Now, after that, okay? Listen, Tony Pollard, explosive player. 110%. I am on board with that. Absolutely explosive player. Does a lot of things really well. But my issue is that Kellen Moore acted like, you know, something like that didn't happen. And then just, like, he didn't adjust. And in turn, started to put the ball more in Dak's hands. Now again, I've I've been on record saying this since Dak started for the Dallas Cowboys. And I and hundred percent the the last three years I've been on Dak like a hundred percent. I believe he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. All of that. My thing with Dak, and it always been, was that he is not a quarterback that will carry a team. He needs the team around him, and he needs a running game. He is a quarterback that can sling it with the best of them. Absolutely. But now, by you putting that ball in his hands and trying to sling it 30, 40 times a game, you're risking the turnover. And this year was out of the blue because Dak actually has been able to protect the ball pretty well. I think last year he had, what, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions? So it's not like, you know, I think he averaged prior to this season, I think it was like 1.3% interception rate. This year it was like 38 that that's huge. So I think a lot had to do with the the thumb injury this year, hundred percent. You know, I I think I think we would be we would be stupid 
not to think that that affected him. You know, because you got to think of what the thumb does for a quarterback. You know, all the pressure in the hand on the football is at the thumb. So, I yes, 100, 110%, I think that definitely hindered him the rest of the season. But in terms of Tony Pollard, listen, we saw Malik Davis in, I think, two games. And he showed some kind of explosiveness. He's quick. He hits the hole hard. I, so, ask me. How many carries did Malik Davis have after Tony Pollard got hurt? Mind you, it was a whole half. It was a whole second half. He had zero. So why is that? It's just... Dak needs more weapons. And getting rid of Amari Cooper this past year... Hurt hard. Gallup coming off of a torn ACL. You sign him to this contract and he disappeared. I like and I, I felt this way going into this season. I thought that the Cowboys should have kept Amari Cooper and then let Michael Gallup walk. Michael Gallup is a, a one kind of wide receiver. He he's a guy that could take the top off of off the field. He's a, a home run hitter. He's a guy that will go up and get it. So if you want him as a as a red zone threat and a deep threat, fine. But they didn't use him like that at all. And he was non-existent in the San Francisco game. And the drive that the Cowboys had after the 49ers scored their first touchdown in the fourth quarter was the worst drive of the season. I've never seen something so bad in my life. The quickest three and out, and then you punt it. Now, again, I'm I'm not a Mike McCarthy hater. I don't mind Mike McCarthy. My issue is with the play calling, and Mike McCarthy's not doing the play calling. Kellen Moore is. Kellen Moore gets stagnant. You know, there'll be a game, like you look at the game against Tampa Bay and you're like, wow, this is the Kellen Moore that we would want to see every game. But it doesn't happen like that. I don't understand, like, and I've noticed this plenty of times. There's games where Kellen Moore is on his game and it's like, wow, I've never seen play calling like this. This is fantastic. If we keep you know calling plays like this, the Cowboys are unstoppable. And then the next game comes around and you're like, what are we watching? And the the question obviously after this game is is Dak that guy? Um I like I, I have a question for people. Okay, do you think that quarterbacks just grow on trees? Because fortunately, the Cowboys have been fortunate in going from 
Tony Romo to Dak Prescott. Because the people that didn't get to endure what happened after Troy Aikman to Tony Romo don't understand. Okay? You've had guys like Drew Bledsoe, Drew Henson, Chad Hutchinson, Quincy Carter. Guys like that. You didn't get to endure that. Vinny Testaverde. So, if you've been a Cowboy fan for the last, let's say, so Dak's been in the league seven years. Romo, I think, played nine or ten years. So, the last 17 years, 18 years, whatever it is, you haven't had to endure a bad quarterback play. So, again, quarterbacks just don't grow on trees. We can be a New York Jets fan that hasn't had a quarterback since Joe Namath. We could be a Cleveland Browns fan that hasn't had a a quarterback since, you know, I don't even know when. So it's not just, you know, it, it. you have a top quarterback in this league. And I will say, and I, I'm sticking to it, I think Dak Prescott is still a top seven quarterback. I think this year was something out of the blue. I, and I think a lot of it had to do with the injury that he endured during the season. I think a lot had to do, you know, we, we looked at it after the ankle injury. And ankle injury and hand injury are two different things. You know, the only time that you really have to worry about, like, worrying about a previous injury when it comes to an ankle or a knee is when, you know, a, a player ends up getting pressure on you and is at your feet or whatever, or you're running the ball. When it comes to throwing the ball, that's your like your hand is on that ball at all times throughout the game. So you have to constantly worry about your hand. And I think that was in the back of Dak's mind, and I think it just it it clouded his judgment throughout the season, and I think that's why we saw the the interception rate we did when it came to Dak Prescott. But again, like I said, Dak cannot carry a team. He needs weapons. We had news uh, yesterday. Dan Quinn will be staying, so that's huge for the Dallas Cowboys. That defense played their ass off against San Francisco, made a 33 points per game offense look mediocre. They took away Debo. They took away Christian McCaffrey. They took away Brandon Ayuk. And then, you know, you have Kittle too. Kittle was really, I mean, I think he had just three catches or whatever, but had a big catch. Um, And again, with, with Kellen Moore, he's just predictable. I mean, their offense is predictable. 
It drives me crazy how predictable the Dallas Cowboys are. But can we put a little respect on Demarcus Lawrence's name? Because, I, I mean, like, the last couple of seasons, everybody's been hating Demarcus Lawrence, his contract, this and that. This guy, yeah, may not have the sack numbers that we would love, that we, you know, thought we were going to get from Demarcus Lawrence after signing him back to that big contract. But can we talk about him in the run game? Can we talk about him being in the backfield 90% of the time? Can we talk about him making a play down the field? Demarcus Lawrence is all over the place. This guy is such, you know, an underrated player, to be honest with you. And it's crazy to say that he's underrated. But put some respect on his name. Demarcus Lawrence is a beast. Cowboys need weapons on offense. They do. And I honestly, I, I think we may have seen the last of Tony Pollard. Uh, I think the Cowboys need a I think they need a a starting running back that can you know carry the load. I don't think Tony Pollard's that that running back. I think Tony Pollard the way that the Cowboys played them this year with Zeke and Tony Pollard was the perfect way and I think that's the perfect way to to uh to use Tony Pollard in a two-headed monster type thing. Right now, I think the Cowboys need a starting court, a starting running back that can carry the load and have Zeke on short, short yardage. And I do see, it, I mean, Zeke came out and said that he would take a pay cut. If he wants to stay, I think that's going to happen. And Jerry loves him. So, you know, you're going to see them try to do whatever they can to, uh, to keep him, uh, Going into this offseason, cap space, negative 7 mil. They have the upcoming free agents. Dalton Schultz, Anthony Brown, Dante Fowler, Leighton Vanderush, Anthony Barr, Jason Peters, Jonathan Hankins, Noah Brown, Brett Maher, Cooper Rush, Ty Hilton, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Tony, pa- uh, Tony Pollard, Terrence Steele, and Donovan Wilson. I start off the guys that I would like to keep. Dante Fowler. I think you could keep him on another one-year deal. Leighton Vanderesh, I think you get, you pay whatever you have to. Hopefully, it's not too big, but you you keep him around. I would like to keep Anthony Barr. I think he played uh, pretty decently this year after signing him. Jason Peters, I would like ha- to have back because I think he helped Tyler Smith a lot, and I think it would uh, whether they want to play him at left guard or. You know, just as a swing tackle, that would be great. Jonathan Hankins, I think, played really well until he got injured and then ended up playing really well in the San Francisco game. I think the Cowboys need a defensive tackle like that that will plug up the middle. Uh, Brett Maher, I think you bring him back. I, I mean, honestly, I think the the whole playoffs thing was just Cowboys luck, basically. Uh, you know, I think you bring back Cooper Rush. You know, I thought he did well in Dak's absence. T.Y. Hilton, I think you could probably get him on another one-year, maybe two-year deal, small amount. 
have him as a you know a number four wide receiver or you know in the slot or whatever they were using him as like a third down wide receiver. I think that would be huge. Terrence Steele, you got to bring back, especially after the season that he had before the injury. And Donovan Wilson, you have to bring back. Tony Pollard, I'm I'm on the fence with because I think he's going to want a big deal, and I I don't think he's that type of running back. He's not a big contract deal type of running back, and I don't think that's the that's what the Cowboys need. Now we move on, Giants. At the Eagles, Giants got waxed in this one. And I think this was the perfect uh, slap in the face that the Giants needed. Well, that I wanted to see. But because, you know what, heading into this game, and I, I you know, I was guilty of it too. I, I you know, being um, a cynical type of Cowboys fan as, as I am, I'm sitting there saying, you know, what's going to happen? The, the Giants are actually going to go through this. And get into the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and then I'm gonna have to deal with a bunch of Giant fans that I, you know, that I know. You know, it's it's tough being a Cowboys fan in New York. It's tough being a Cowboys fan altogether, but then being in New York, dealing with Giants fans, it's it's tough. So that's how I felt. I I really thought going into this game. So yes, I I am guilty of joining the hype train for the Giants. Do I think the Giants are a good team? No, I don't. Do I think they're going to probably, you know, listen, I, I've i always been the type of person, well, I've, I've always been the guy to say Daniel Jones was never the issue for the Giants. I thought he had a really good season this year. I thought he needed that. You know, this was a, this was a, going into the season, the question was, is Daniel Jones the guy for the uh, for the the New York Giants? And I think he showed yes that the he is the guy, but I think it's only because you don't know where you're going to get the other guy. You know, I I think he's a good quarterback. Do I think he's a great quarterback? No. Do I think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback? No. But again, anybody could go to a Super Bowl with a team around them. And I I think the Giants need a lot of help to get to that point. The Giants going into this offseason will have, they could have 60 mil in cap space heading into it. Right now, they have, I believe, 44 mil going into this, uh, this offseason. And I think Joe Shane is going to, to be aggressive. You know, he's got a lot of money, you know, in cap space here. Um, But I think the biggest thing is figuring out what's going to happen with their own. You know, because you have free agents at very big positions for the Giants. So before I get into the whole Brian Dable thing, let me get into that. Well, this is going to be interesting. But... Upcoming free agents for the Giants, Sterling uh, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Nick Gates, John Feliciano, Julian Love, Fabian Moreau, and Darius Slayton. So you remove Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, they have no wide receivers. Um, Daniel Jones, I think, is going to get a contract. I I mean, it's crazy to think that he's probably going to get over, 
you know, between 30 and a little bit over 30, which is crazy. Saquon Barkley turning down, uh, I think he turned down a $12 million per. So that's interesting. Do they bring him back on a 16 mil per? My issue with Saquon Barkley has always been he, listen, he's a good running back. He really is. But is he going to stay healthy? That's the question. You know, I, it's, it's tough to think about giving a guy $16 million per year for a guy that hasn't played a full season prior to this year in his career or since the first season, basically his rookie season. You know, when we're talking about Saquon, in 2018, he had nine runs of 40-plus yards, and he was one of three. He became one of three running backs to do it in the last 30 years and almost broke Chris Johnson's record of 10 from 2009. Since he tore his ACL and his MCL, in 2022... He ran for 68 yards in week one and then ran for and hit a a 40 yard run one more time in the season. So, listen, there's again, he's a good running back. He's a uh, an explosive type player could really change a game. But again, do you risk your money on a guy that has a little bit of a injury proneness in him uh, you know it's it's definitely a question and I think for him to to be asking for 16 or even more than that is is a little crazy to me but going back to to uh the whole Brian Dable thing okay Brian Dable is a finalist for the coach of the year there's three of them the one coach first of all there's never been a nine-win coach of the year. Never. I don't know. I, I I don't understand why Brian Dable took the place of Nick Sirianni. Listen, I hate Nick Sirianni more than anything. He's just got such a punchable face. But to take Brian Dable, a nine-win head coach... And don't get me wrong, he did very well for the Giants this year. He made a very, very bad team into a playoff team. Bravo. But they're nine wins. Nick Sirianni had coached the best record in the league. The fact that you that he's not a finalist and Brian Dable, a nine-win head coach, is is crazy to me. Absolutely crazy to me. In this game, the Giants were outmatched in every single way. And if the Giants are going to to make that next step next year, they need to be able to beat the Cowboys and they need to be able to beat the Eagles. They were 0-4 against both teams. You can't go far if you can't beat the teams that are ahead of you. 
The Giants need a lot of help. They need a big weapon on offense in terms of a wide receiver. They need to bolster the offensive line a little bit more. Listen, Daniel Jones is not going to be able to, to run the ball like he did this year. It's not going to, like, teams are not going to let that fly anymore. They're going to make him, uh, you know, a pocket quarterback, and he's going to have to make those throws. But he needs other guys to be catching the ball from him. Kenny Galladay was a dud. Kadarius Toney, for them, was a dud. Now he's a stud for the Chiefs. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, what is Daniel Jones worth to, to, to the Giants? Are we talking 30-plus a year? Whew. Giants have the 25th pick in the draft this year. So uh, who, who do they go for first? Do they go for a wide receiver? You know, you never know. So now we move on to the championship game. 49ers at the Eagles. This is going to be a good one. I'm interested to see how this this thing goes, all right? Um everybody's on the Eagles. I don't I don't see it. I really don't see it. You know, everybody's hyped up. They beat the Giants. They've just coasted through this season. Absolutely coasted. Teams they played coasted through them. It's it's crazy to me. I don't think the Eagles are that good. I think, yes, they're a good team. Do I think that they're the best team in the league and Super Bowl team? This, no, I don't. Because I still look at and at, at people just... People must have amnesia. Uh, amnesia. People just must forget... The Jalen Hurts that we've seen in previous years. Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback. It's like, I, I, he's not. Did we not see Jalen Hurts last year? Are we forgetting that? Last year, Jalen Hurts looked like he shouldn't ever play football again. He adds a weapon in A.J. Brown, and now all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in the league. What? MVP. What? Stop. Jalen Hurts is not that efficient in the pocket. And San Francisco has a good chance of keeping him in the pocket. 49ers have a great run game on offense. So do the Eagles. You know, if we look at the stats going into this game, we'll start off with the offenses. San Francisco is fifth in yards per game. They're sixth in points per game. They're sixth on third down. They're eighth in rushing, 13th in passing. They give up the sixth fewest sacks. They're third in possession time, and they have the third fewest turnovers my biggest stats here that I look at for all the top teams and I can tell you right away how good that team's going to be just by looking at one stat possession of time 
or time of possession. That's huge because that means that you're keeping the opposing offense off the field. You're keeping your defense as rejuvenated as they can be. Now that offense is going against this defense. Second in yards per game. Seventh in points per game. 14th on third third down. 17th in rushing defense. They're first in passing defense. And they're first in sacks. They have the seventh most takeaways. Sixth in interceptions. They had 70 sacks this year. Again, the way I look at it is your defensive line dictates how good your secondary is. And my, uh, always, always, my example is going to be the New York Giants. The New York Giants, we looked at them and we're like, this secondary is great. And I'm talking about the, the Super Bowl, New York Giants. This secondary is great. They don't give up anything. Yet, we're watching Strahan, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka, guys like that that are rushing the quarterback, and they're putting every quarterback on its back. Then all of a sudden, they lose that pass rush the next year or the year after. And Corey Webster's getting burnt. That secondary's getting burnt. And now we're wondering what happened to this secondary. Oh, you know what? Because they had a pass rush. The Eagles are first in passing defense and they're first in sacks. They had 70 sacks this year. That's like almost, I think there's like, they're 15 over the next best team. Sacks and passing defense go hand in hand. So now the Philadelphia offense is third in yards per game, third in points per game, 11th in pe- uh, time of possession. They have 20 sa- they're 22nd in sacks allowed. They're fifth in rushing offense. They're ninth in passing offense. They're fourth on third down. And they have the sixth fewest turnovers. And that offense is going against this defense. First in yards per game, first in per- points per game, 16th on third down, second in rushing defense, 20th in passing defense, 11th in sacks, third most takeaways, and they're first in interceptions. So I'm going to tell you right now, the Eagles are going to look to run the ball. They're going to run the option, this, that, whatever. That's what they're going to be looking to do. And it's going to be very hard against this San Francisco defense. Therefore, you're going to have to make Jalen Hurts throw the ball. That's also opening up now. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. You know, this this <laughs> this defensive line is no joke. This pass rush is no joke. But you know what? Fred Warner is a dog. That dude is a dog. This defense is insane. And what D'Amico Ryans is doing... With this defense, and it looks like he's going to get the job with Houston. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, we're going to see how good Jalen Hurts actually is in this game. 
This is where we're gonna we're gonna dictate it right here. If the the 49ers can keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket where he's less efficient, San Francisco has a really good chance in this game. And they played each other last year, week two. And the the 49ers had two sacks on Jalen Hurts. Eagles had no sacks against Jimmy Garoppolo. And honestly, I think the the Eagles had a better offensive line last year because you know you you had Brandon Brooks on that team, and Brandon Brooks is one of the best uh, you know guards in the league. So that's huge. And this year they don't have him. So, and now also we're talking about a banged up Lane Johnson, which last last week didn't really have to worry about anything. If they and you could see the difference when Lane, Lane Johnson's not in the lineup. So, God forbid he ends up going out. It's going to be feasting time for San Francisco. So that, like, again, the, it, we said it last week with, with Dallas. It's going to come down to defensive lines, offensive lines. That's it. And it, it, as cliche as it is, I don't think. I don't think Brock Purdy's really going to have to do much in this game. I really don't. And that might be different from what everybody else is saying. I don't think Brock Purdy's really going to have to do much. The Eagles are not good against the run. And the way that San Francisco does run the ball, you know, and Dan Quinn really was on top of it all week, uh, all game last week, the way that they do the runs... You know, you'll see different ways of them doing the run. They'll have Debo in the backfield. They'll have Christian McCaffrey lined up as a wide receiver. Come in motion. They do a lot of stuff off of that formation, whether they do, you know, a dump off to Debo, whether they do a slant to a wide receiver after the option, whether they have Christian McCaffrey come in motion, take the ball. There's so much stuff that they do out of that formation. And I think it's going to be a lot. It's It's... It's honestly going to slow down that pass rush of the Eagles because you're really going to have to, you know, think about are you going to go straight for the quarterback and, you know, maybe, you know, give up this this flat to Debo that basically whenever he catches the ball, the first guy never tackles him. I think Christian McCaffrey comes out and has a big game against the Eagles. I think Debo's going to have a big game against the Eagles. If Trent Williams and this offensive line for San Francisco holds up, there is absolutely no way the Eagles beat the 49ers. I'll tell you right now, if, if the Eagles do not get a sack... They are not winning this game. And honestly, in this game, it's huge for for San Francisco because, or mainly for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has not been able to really overtake that loss in the Super Bowl as the offensive coordinator against the 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 Patriots. 
That was an easy Super Bowl win for him. That second half should have just been run, 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 and it wasn't, and they lost. And now with San Francisco, he's back-to-back NFC championships. He has to win. He has to win this week. Because I'm not going to say that, you know, he's on the hot seat, but when are we going to start talking about, you know, Kyle Shanahan as like, ah, you know, he's a NFC championship type of guy. That's it. But I do think the 49ers run offense will slow down the Eagles pass rush. And I think the 49ers pass rush will keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, therefore making him a pocket passer, therefore also him being less efficient, therefore leading to turnovers, therefore leading to the 49ers to win this game. And I haven't been doing good on my picks. And I I mean, these people, it's just so funny. I constantly get, you know, I put the video out because now, all right, people, I am recording this. This is Saturday, January 28th. This is one day before the AFC and the NFC championship. I am making my picks. I am not a mind reader. I am not a psychic. I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I don't know what's going to happen at 6 o'clock. These are my guesses. Period. That's all it is. So by you commenting, oh, well, this is not going to age well. Oh, you got that one wrong. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. First of all, I don't care what you say. Because you listened. You commented. You gave me the view. You gave me your comment. Thank you. Thank you. I don't care what you say. And it's a guess. It's a prediction. Sorry. What do you want me to do? Um, so, again, 49ers. That's my pick. Then we move on to the AFC. We had Jacksonville Jaguars at the Chiefs. State of the Jacksonville Jaguars after this loss. I'm going to tell you right now, out of the divisional games, out of the divisional teams, Jacksonville, or actually out of the divisional teams' losses, the teams that lost, Jacksonville is in the best position leading forward. I said how good Trevor Lawrence was the last two weeks. I think, honestly, that they're the one team that's coming out of this this loss without any questions. I think it's more, more so for the Jaguars. It's more so, what could we do to make them better? And I'm, you know, I, I'm... I'm writing up the show to get ready for this. And I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, what to talk about. And I'm looking at it. And I realized that I forgot about 
The Jacksonville Jaguars will have Calvin Ridley next year. And I forgot about the trade. I absolutely forgot about the trade. This offense is going to be stacked. From Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be another year in the league, which took a huge step this year. That's in two years. Took a huge step. So now going into that third year where we're like, all right, this is where we're going to see what kind of quarterback this is. I think Trevor Lawrence has already made a case that he's a top 10 quarterback already. And I think next year is going to be even better. You know, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, who's took who's taken a huge step as well. Then you add Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. I don't think they, I, I think they let Marvin Jones walk. I think they either tag Evan Ingram, give him a little extra time to sign him, or they outright sign him. I think they bring back Evan Ingram because I think he had a good year this year. And then you have Christian Kirk. Last year, they finished 3-14. and 14. They hired Doug Peterson. They go from 3-7 and seven in the beginning of the season this year to 9-8 and eight in the regular season. They win the AFC South. And they play, they play the Chiefs, who are arguably the best team in the league, hard as hell, and probably could have pulled out a win. It's just, it, it's crazy to me to see this team. This team is on the uphill, and it, it's like they are, they're going to be a team to watch out for. The AFC South is theirs for the foreseeable future. Period. It's not even close. Their upcoming, their big free agents coming up, uh, Evan Ingram, Marvin Jones, Arden Key. I think they let Mar- uh, Marvin Jones go. Uh, I think, as I said, I think they bring back Evan Ingram, and I think they bring back Arden Key. Uh, their cap space minus is negative 32 mil, but I, again, I don't think it's really that much of a difference. I think they draft defense now, and I think they just they just keep going forward. Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. This is, um, all right, first of all, I would love to know, and I, and I, I heard this on TikTok and I can't even tell you who I I heard it from, but it kind of made me think, why don't the bills get heat for their previous years? Cause you see the Dallas Cowboys lose and everybody's talking about the Dallas Cowboys. But meanwhile, we're looking at a team in the Bills where the last two years we were like, all right, this this is a team that is a Super Bowl contender. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They have one of the best wide receivers in the league. They have a very good defense. Why isn't this team going to a Super Bowl? And yes, listen, there's guys... Like I mean, we've seen it previously. There's there's guys that you just you you come in to the league at the wrong time because there's just another guy that's better and just has a better team. And we looked at that with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning always had Tom Brady there, and that really goes for anybody. Joe Flacco always had Tom Brady there. Ben Roethlisberger always had Tom Brady there. But they got theirs at some point. You know, Peyton Manning's got two Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger has one Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. 
When is Josh Allen going to take that next step? And I think we can honestly, I think after this game, we can honestly say that Joe Burrow has surpassed Josh Allen. I th- Listen, I think Josh Allen, talent-wise, is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. And I was talking with my buddy just about the, the whole Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. And the example I came up with is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Now, listen, I don't think Joe Burrow is Tom Brady. I don't think, you know, Josh Allen is Aaron Rodgers, although I think Josh Allen is kind of equal to Aaron Rodgers. But I'm looking at it as, you know, comparing them to the two. Tom Brady may not be as talented as Aaron Rodgers, but the guy's got seven Super Bowls. He's a winner. He's one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers Talented as all hell. We probably... I, I I don't think we've seen a more talented quarterback. But it's got one Super Bowl. And can't get past the NFC Championship ever since then. So, you have that. So, you look at it now. Joe Burrow went to a Super Bowl already. Joe Burrow. 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen. Has not beaten Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Josh Allen, talented as all hell. Josh Allen does, doesn't have a Super Bowl, hasn't touched the Super Bowl. It's it's a perfect example. The fact that Buffalo went into this game in their house, in their weather elements... I mean, they, they, the Buffalo fans, Buffalo team, they flourish in the cold weather. That's what, that, that's what they say. They love the cold weather. They love the snow. So they have the game in Buffalo. They have the snow coming down. They have Josh Allen. They have Stephon Diggs. Cincinnati has three backup offensive linemen going against this this uh you know defensive team that's one of the top defensive teams in the league. Yes, I know doesn't have Von Miller, but still had a pretty good pass rush even without Von Miller. And they got absolutely driven out of their own house by Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the definition of dog. Joe Burrow is that guy. This team is they're gritty. They're a team that it literally they they can go into any place against anyone and beat them. They're cocky. You know, it's just this team is something else. Cincinnati is something else right now. Joe Burrow is that guy. He's a dog. I love Joe Burrow. Love him. Sean McDermott, when is he 
going to be on the hot seat? Why isn't he on the hot seat now? This team, he's got such a talented team. How is he not getting them to a Super Bowl? Buffalo going into this offseason, negative 20 mil in cap space. Their upcoming free agents, Jordan Poyer, Jordan Phillips, Tremaine Edmonds, David Quisenberry, Shaq Lawson, and Devin Singletary. They need a run game. You know, I thought James Cook was going to add to that. I think I, I thought James Cook was going to be, you know, what they needed. It didn't happen that way. But this team needs a run game. They really do if they want to at least sniff the Super Bowl. So now we move on to the championship game. Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals. The Chiefs are 24-1 and all-time when not giving a sack. Their only loss was Week 17 versus the Bengals. This Bengals team is literally... Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs kryptonite. But honestly, going into this game, now again, the as I said, as I said with Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a cocky team. They're a bunch of dogs, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. You know, this team is crazy. It really is. But there, to me, there's no way, there is no way Patrick Mahomes goes 0-4 against another quarterback. And there's just no way that the Chiefs let Cincinnati come into Kansas City two years in a row in the AFC Championship game and beat them. There's just no way. There is no way that the Chiefs let that happen. There's no way Patrick Mahomes lets that happen. The biggest portion of this game is going to come down to Patrick Mahomes' health. And, you know, obviously we're talking about heading into this game. What happens if Burrow beats Mahomes again? When, like... Do we have that conversation? Do we have that conversation and say, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the league? And I I don't think you can have that conversation. I think there's no way anybody is better than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes just does everything good. He really does. He's a great quarterback. He's the best in the league. And I don't think you could really fight me on that. I think in terms of this conversation, I think we should have two different conversations. I think it should be best player, Patrick Mahomes, and then best winner if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes. I think we can put that. So heading into this game, stats-wise, they are in offense, Cincinnati, 7th in points, 8th in yards per game, 29th in rushing, and 3rd in 3rd down def- uh 3rd down offense, which is huge. They're 22, they're 22nd in sacks given up and they're 2nd in possession time. You know how I feel about possession time, time of possession. Now that 
offense is going against this defense. 11th in yards per game, 16th in points per game, 8th in rushing defense, 18th in passing defense, 13th in third down, and 2nd in sacks. 2nd in sacks going against 3 backup offensive linemen. Now, Kansas City's offense going against Cincinnati's defense. Kansas City, 1st in points and yards per game. They're 20th in rushing offense, second in third down offense. They're 13th in time of possession, and they're third in fewest sacks given up. And that's going against this defense, 16th in yards per game, 6th in points per game, 20th in third down, 7th in rushing defense, they're 23rd in passing defense, and they're 29th in sacks. Third fewest given up. 29th in sacks got given got whatever you want to call it that's it comes down to if if the Chiefs can pressure Joe Burrow and get in his face and get sacks it's going to be a long day for the Bengals So for me, I think Patrick Mahomes avenges last year and goes into the Super Bowl to play the 49ers. My picks, now this is just, I'm picking. 49ers, Chiefs. We're looking at right now the the lines. Um... So far, let's see. FanDuel has San Francisco and the Eagles. They have Eagles minus two and a half. And then it goes up as high as three. So right now the Eagles are favored. This is basically, you know, just being home, basically. When we look at the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, this this line's changed at least three times. Or at least the favorite has changed at least three times. Um, right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by one and a half. I'm excited for these two games. Now I could um, I could relax, I guess, because the Cowboys won't be in it. Uh, I'm upset, obviously, but listen... It happens. I think the Cowboys needed it. I think this is where the Cowboys just move forward. I think they got to get rid of Kellen Moore. They get rid of Kellen Moore. This is a different team. Uh, 49ers, you're going to be all over Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to be struggling in the pocket. 49ers will win that game. The Bengals, although undefeated, Burrow against Mahomes, I think we finally see that one loss. I think the Kansas City Chiefs move on to the Super Bowl. But that will do it. Oh, actually, you know what? No, no, no. Let's talk about some sports cards real quick. The hobby. Um, We have... Where is my... There it is. Uh, upcoming releases. We have... 2022 Leaf Exotic Football. That will be coming out February 1st. 
Uh, let me bring it up. So this is you're getting three exotic autograph cards, number to 10 or less per box, and you'll get 12 boxes per case. This is, again, non-licensed uh, stuff. So you'll get some college players. You'll get some uh, rookie NFL players, and then you'll get some legends as well. No Brock Purdy in this this one, or at least they don't have a checklist, so I don't know, to be honest with you. Then we have 2022 Panini Zenith Football. That will also be coming out February 1st. That price will be $300. Also, the Leaf Exotic will be $100. Also, checked out the checklist for this. There is no Brock Purdy. With this box break, you'll get one rookie patch autograph, one additional autograph, one base, one rookie, Two inserts, six cards per pack, one pack per box, 12 boxes per case. It's a 242-card base set featuring 100 vets, 100 rookies, and 42 RPAs of the top rookies in the NFL draft other than Brock Purdy. Um, We're going to be looking for Z-Stars, Class President, Pacific Revolution, Thunder and Lightning, Behind the Numbers, and more. Uh, we'll have the super short print contenders rookie ticket RPS blue. Uh, and then we'll have the brand new in the 2022 box Aloha, which is a case hit and uh, much more. And then last but not least, we have on February 3rd, 2022 tops gilded collection baseball. That will be going for $400. You'll get one gold framed autograph and one gold etch chrome autograph per box. There's a 150 base set, top legends, veterans, and rookies on gold embellished version of the Topps chrome design. So that uh, it's actually a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice cards. And now, the uh, I, I said prior to me starting that Panini screwed up. And Panini screwed up in this way. This past week, we had a one-of-one, one, and I think it was out of National Treasures, a one-of-one one product hit Babe Ruth Legendary Materials Signature Card pulled. And... That's great, you may say. The thing that was not great was that the autograph was not Babe Ruth. The autograph was also a great, but not a legend as Babe Ruth. I mean, listen, George Brett is great. George Brett's signature was on this card. Now, current eBay listings for for Babe Ruth autos, range between 6,000 and 10,000. And I was looking up some other um, Babe Ruth one-of-one cards, and I found uh, 2021 Topps Tier 1 one-of-one auto for Babe Ruth went for $76,000. 2019 Flawless Auto one-of-one went for $37,000. So this is a huge screw-up for Panini. And supposedly Panini is trying to help the the kid that ended up or the guy that ended up pulling that card 
So we will see what Panini actually does to help this guy out. But that's a lot of money that he could be missing out on because of a screw-up. The quality control, and we've been talking about the quality control for tops lately just being not good. And the fact that Panini now is coming out, because we, we've had our issues with Panini in terms of cuts on, uh, you know, on the cards just not being great. But screwing up on a one-of-one one and screwing up on a Babe Ruth card, that's, that's a no-no. But that will do it now. I'm Jerry. Have a great championship Sunday. Hopefully your team wins if uh, unless you're an Eagles fan because I don't like you. That will do it. I'm Jerry. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.